All right. And discussion of truth. This is Zine Trache. Second episode here for uh, uh, for a pre-recorded uh, Saturday uh, afternoon. Um, I typically run the show live Wednesdays, 5 p.m., Winwood 1. Dot com online radio and uh, have been doing so well formally on uh, Winwood Radio dot com. So Winwood One, you can catch um, an assortment of previous episodes streaming twenty four seven at uh, discussiontotruth dot com or iantrotier dot com, i n t r o t t i r dot com, or, or or at Winwood One dot com and some other platforms as well. Uh, and you can listen. Uh, on iTunes and Google, I think uh, Spotify, a number of number of outlets. Um, but again, I began doing what I do because of the Zika virus in 2016. That uh, came to Miami Beach and simply was uh, very startling, as I saw the local media completely spin this benign virus that caused flu-like symptoms uh, totally out of control and then the pesticide it was just it was insanity it was like the pesticide also caused flu-like symptoms yet it was also causing the onset of uh, uh, of uh, microcephaly to be developed in the, the, the child the, the developing fetus uh, so supposedly something that had come from Brazil hey, just following the roads just following the roads historically to the Rockefeller Foundation, the Uganda Force, iantrache.com. There's a link on that that says research. And uh, that, uh, that link shows uh, some, some great research, as I just mentioned, uh, that I've compiled over the course of the four years that I've been doing this. And I've also added, I think, seven videos that I find incredibly pertinent uh, one documentary is about three hours in length called The Money Masters. It really goes into the banking corruption that's plagued the United States. Again, you got a 20, 28, is it 28 now, Joe? Joe Biden. Uh, $28 trillion federal debt. This federal government, we are allowing this federal government to get completely and uh, incredibly out of control. Spreading its tentacles like an octopus. Hey, let me read you. Yeah, that's like, I was going to get into a little bit of uh, Rockefeller controlling the game. That was uh, Jacob Nordegard. We're going to be hosting here in a few moments uh, Patrick Wood, who's the editor of uh, technocracy.news. Uh, he'll be joining us today. Jacob Nordegard uh, joined us last uh, last week from Sweden, again, to repeat the title of his book, Rockefeller Controlling the Game. But let me, let me read this quote from you uh, for you that, uh, that should startle you. Um, let me read this for you. And, and, and look, I, I just finished uh, with Tom DiLorenzo. And he's written extensively on the life of Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln Unmasked is his, is his uh, newest work. Uh, talking about uh, what you don't know about dishonest Abraham Lincoln. Uh, so let me read this quote here. It's a little bit lengthy. And then we'll bring on uh, Patrick Wood. Um, and again, tying what's happening. Look, all the, there's a saying. The saying is all road leads to Rome. There's another saying. Follow the money. And from what I can tell... Not to point fingers any particular way. Um, all roads are leading to the Bank of International Settlements in Switzerland. Uh, we're going to talk about CERN today, is my guess. Or is, is my guess. 
with uh, with Patrick. Um, now, before I read this quote, let me just also mention that when I started the research that I do because of the Zika virus in 19, uh, uh, 2019, uh, 2016, I was immediately, very quickly, within the first few days of doing uh, doing the research that I did between, uh, from the Zika virus, I was led to a Stanford Hoover fellow named Dr. Anthony Sutton. Now, Dr. Sutton left the Hoover Institute, began publishing independently, uh, but he also co-authored a book about technocracy with, uh, with our next guest coming up here. So let me, before we bring Patrick on, let me read this quote to you by John Francis Hyland, the 96th, May, 96th mayor of New York City. This is a quote from 1922. Okay, again, follow the history. Spoils go to the, the, spoils go to the victors. Certainly the people that have the money are the victors, right? Okay, here we are. Uh, the quote reads... The real menace of our republic, this is 1922, by the mayor, the former mayor of New York City. The real menace of our republic is the invisible government, which, like a giant octopus, sprawls its slimy legs over our cities, states, and nation. To depart from mere generalizations, let me say that at the head of this octopus are the Rockefellers, Standard Oil Interests, and a small group of powerful banking houses generally referred to as the International Bankers. The little little coterie of powerful international bankers virtually run the United States government for their own selfish purposes. They practically control both parties, write political platforms, make cat's paws of party leaders, use the leading men of private organizations, and resort to every device to place in nomination for high public office. Only such candidates as will be amendable to the dictates of corrupt big businesses." These international bankers and Rockefeller Standard Oil interests control the majority of the newspapers and magazines in this country. They are the column of these papers to club into submission to drive out of office public officials who refuse to do the bidding of the powerful corrupt cliques which compose the invisible government. It operates under cover of a self-created screen and seizes our executive offices, legislative bodies, schools, courts, newspapers, and every agency created for the public protection. John Francis Hyland, 96th mayor of New York City, 1922. Folks, times have not changed. Times are incredibly worse. The federal debt stands at $28 trillion and counting. Why is it that regardless of political party, whoever sits in the Oval Office friends, sinks us further into debt as a federal nation. You should have a problem with that. We all should have a problem with that. There has been one president out of 46 who has not collected debt while in his tenure, whereas he left office without a federal debt. One. One out of 46. That was in 1844 under President Andrew Jackson. That's a problem. Okay, so uh, here we are with uh, Patrick Wood. Let's bring him on right now and invite him with a welcome to uh, Discussions of Truth. Patrick Wood, folks. And again, find my information at iantrotier.com. T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Bringing in Patrick Wood. Hello, Ian. Patrick, good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon. 
well. Hey, can I have a minute set up the green screen here? I missed the fact that this was video. It doesn't have to be. It's up to you. Your choice. If you if you want to record video, I'm okay with it. I got a studio I'm set up, whatever. I can get it set up in just a minute. You got it. Okay. Uh, I can call you back. Call me back. Give me five and call me back. All right. All right. Talk then. So we can do uh, we can do video. I typically don't do video, um, but uh, but we'll, we'll we'll do we'll do we'll do we'll do video with Patrick. I think Patrick's got some great stuff going on. Initially, when I had reached out to uh, to Patrick, uh, I um, I uh, uh, had spoke to uh, someone that was managing his time, and. Uh, uh, they had sent me. Uh, they had sent me information. We had scheduled uh, someone else, a different Patrick that that person was managing and, and representing. Uh, but uh, but Patrick Wood is uh, again of Technocracy News. Is someone that I've known about now for uh, for for quite a little while, uh, and. Um, and again, the uh, one of the one of the the great uh, the great things about uh, what Patrick does is he helps explain the advancements in technology um, and correlates them to um, to reality. Uh, I know that was a, a fairly oddly said, but. Uh, but again, let, let, yeah, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me take a moment for you and, uh, and, and, simply, and simply read uh, the work that, uh, that, that, that Anthony Sutton had done. Um, uh, before I say that, again, under the research tab at Ian Trottier, I-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-R, you'll find uh, another video. It's about an hour and a half in length. Dr. John Coleman speaks about the Committee of 300. I've even got a video on Malcolm X up there because Malcolm X was very, very well educated on, uh, on the corruption in the banking system. Paul Hellyer, uh, who's a former guest on this program, the highest ranking Canadian politician outside of, uh, outside of uh, the monarchy. Uh, and uh, of course, Jordan Maxwell, who's a former guest on, on the program. You'll find a video of him, uh, William Cooper, who was a historian, uh, some great things. Anthony Patch, Correlates uh, correlates uh, what's happening in CERN uh, to uh, the COVID nineteen uh, epidemic or pardon me pandemic uh, and um, uh, JFK a uh, everything is a rich man's trick the corruption uh, excuse me the corporation <laughs> the corporation documentary Christopher Hitchens uh, former Oxford scholar talks about socialism versus capitalism, Dr. Peter Beter, who was a former economic advisor under JFK, that uh, spoke, uh, didn't, did not speak highly of the Rockefeller uh, organization. Uh, Kay Griggs exposes uh, some of the absurdity uh, uh, going on in the U.S. military. Charlotte Eisenbitt, former guest on the program, talks about, uh, talks about the, 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 how the, the education system is completely controlled. Uh, by the government, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz. Again, so go, so go under a, a research under ianchartier.com and you'll find these videos scrolling way down at the bottom. I, I, I start uh, that section off with uh, with work by Dr. Sutton, uh, 
Uh, and again, you can find my book. You can order my book, uh, Freedom Reserve, No More Lies, uh, being published by Trine Day. Coming up here should be coming, uh, should be releasing here soon in the next uh, a few months. We've been under contract here for a couple of years. It's just a matter of getting a, getting this ready to go. Uh, and there are there are plenty of people that have pre-ordered the book. So so stay stay uh, stay patient if you would. Um, but to give you an idea of uh, of the work done by by Sutton, that who gave a speech in 1972 in Miami Beach, um, exposing the corruption uh, in Wall Street, in the U.S. banking. Uh, you know, we're speaking here. Here's here's just a very. There are no coincidences. Okay, and here's a very. Here's a here's a very soft thread uh, to help you understand where the banking corruption is led through. Uh, a main artery, if you will, uh, soft thread. English, we, that, that's the language that I'm speaking. Okay, that is my mother language and, uh, and it is the uh, most prominent main language in the United States, the most prominent language uh, typically in business uh, and uh, 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 international trading, uh, English. The Federal Reserve Bank is uh, designed off of the system found in the city of London, where the Bank of uh, England resides. So here's a former, uh, well, here's a, here's a, I believe he may have been uh, uh, a dual citizen, I'm not sure. He became an American citizen, I know that. I don't know if he relinquished British citizenship, but he was he was born uh, in England. I don't know if he was born in London or Southampton or where. I know he studied at the University of Southampton. Dr. Sutton later became a fellow at the Hoover Institute. So here's an example of some of the books that he, that he wrote. Uh, one book that he wrote in 2000, it may have been the last book, or one of the last books he wrote, The Best Enemy Money Can Buy. Uh, prior to that, he had written America's Secret Establishment. Uh, another book is The Federal Reserve Conspiracy, not theory. No, 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 no not, not theory. Uh, full-on conspiracy. Uh, conspiracies mean war. And if you can conduct war without bloodshed, then you've done a sophisticated attack. Uh, that's what we're seeing here today, in my view. Uh, we are, no doubt, at war, economically. Uh, how the Order Controls Education. And that was written written after he had connected with uh, Charlotte Eisenberg, again, who was a former guest on the program. Two Faces of George Bush, Trilaterals Over America, the Trilateral Commission, run by David, former David Rockefeller. The War on Gold, uh, Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler, Wall Street and the FDR, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. National Suicide, written in 1973 year after its book in Miami Beach, Military Age of the Soviet Union. And then uh, three installments of something called Western Technology and Soviet Economic Development. And finally, uh, that 1972 testimony that uh, Sutton gave in Miami Beach, uh, the Republican Subcommittee 12, uh, August 15th, 1972. Let's uh, bring back onto the program Patrick Wood and, um, and, uh, and get, things, uh, get things going with, uh, with Patrick here. This will be a video record, recorded. Now we got it. Welcome to Discussion of Truth, Patrick. Uh, hey. uh, <laughs> Thanks to have the video. I typically don't do video. I typically simply do simply do audio. Uh, and I've, I've bounced around. I was doing the show out of Winwood Radio uh, for three years, a little studio in Winwood here in Miami. And then I uh, was doing a, a, a studio, uh, doing shows remotely out of a studio in a, in, a, in a different state up in the Northwest, uh, 
but uh, but it's nice to nice to do. If you if you're if you're not aware, Patrick, uh, there's two things I want to bring to the table quickly to set uh, set down uh, uh, to, to set a, a simple foundation. I started doing the work that I do because of the Zika virus in, in 2000, uh, 2016 uh, in Miami Beach, and I was quickly led to a, a former associate of yours. Uh, and I didn't come across your name until a couple years later, uh, but, uh, but a fellow that you're quite familiar with, and I want listeners to know more about, a, a former Hoover uh, fellow named Dr. Sutton, Anthony Sutton. Uh, now, uh, something else I want to mention to you, Patrick, is that uh, last week, uh, joining the program, was uh, jo- uh, Jacob Nordegard, uh, who, who I understand and know writes for uh, technocracy.news. So take a moment, uh, Patrick, if you would, take a moment and uh, explain uh, for listeners uh, uh, who you are, what you do. Wow. Well, I've been studying globalization and the globalization process for uh, over just over 45 years. It's a long time. I started out back in the, in the 1970s with Professor Anthony Sutton. He's since passed. Um, and... We teamed up together to analyze and write about the Trilateral Commission, which is a group of elitists uh, founded by Zbigniew Brzezinski and David Rockefeller. And uh, we did that for several years. We produced two books out of it, Trilaterals Over Washington. And then nothing really happened between about 1982 and, say, uh, Professor Sutton passed soon thereafter. And... When he passed, um, all of his research was lost. It was very unfortunate. I won't go into the story why, but it was lost. Uh, he had truckloads uh, of uh, original research he'd done at Hoover Institution, at Stanford and UCLA. All of it was gone. And it put a little bit of pressure on me because I was the only one that had duplicate research. Uh, for all that original stuff that we did. So I had to jump back into the game again, and I did. A few years later, I discovered historic technocracy. And uh, I didn't know a thing about it back in the 70s and 80s, but I got an eyeful when I started studying it in uh, about 12 years ago. And I did a lot of additional um, original research on technocracy. Went up to Canada, studied archives up there that I located, and it was uh, got a couple of other people involved that were probably at the time much more knowledgeable kind of about the general topic than I was, but nevertheless, I created two books since then. One, the first one, Technocracy Rising, The Trojan Horse of Global Transformation, and then uh, Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order. And there's somewhat of a story behind each of them. We don't go into it right this second, but um, all that to say, I discovered that uh, historic technocracy created in the 1930s has had come back to life with Zbigniew Brzezinski in 1970 when he wrote a book called Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technotronic Era. And since technocracy had started at Columbia University, and since Zbigniew Brzezinski was a, a professor of political science at Columbia University in 1970, I said, I wonder if there's a connection. So I went back and I started to read again. I found out, holy moly, <laughs> When the Trilateral Commission talked about a new international economic order, that's what they meant. Technocracy is a new international economic order. I could thread it six ways to Sunday for you. Uh, I won't do all that, I'm sure, in this uh, interview, but um, it's 
very clear today. What we're looking at today with Klaus Schwab's Great Reset, for instance, and the World Economic Forum, the green economy, the economy, sustainable development, all those types of things, they're all evidential evidence of the new international economic order that started back in 1973 with the founding of the Trilateral Commission. Um, so that's kind of a, a, a real quick scan of the whole thing. I, I was amazed when I, and somewhat embarrassed when I discovered historic technocracy because I kind of viewed myself as a knowing something about history in American history. Sure. Yeah. I, I didn't study college. I wasn't a good, you know, I didn't have a degree in history, but I always kind of prided myself. I read books and, you know, studied history books and stuff, and I thought, well, I know something. Man, I missed this. I just flat out missed it. And so I was a little bit humbled when I found it, especially when I found the connection between technocracy and the new international economic order. And then, of course, that's, oh my gosh, it, it just has been confirmed 87 different ways all at the same time. Uh, so here we are today. We're in the midst still of this great panic of 2020 that's rolled over into 21. Yeah. Um, we're looking at people injecting needles into our arms now that uh, contain gene therapy uh, treatments. Uh, it's like, yeah. you know, I tell you, the stuff that we talked about 10 years ago and thought we kind of knew, you know, we broke it down. We look at today, and I, I think of today, and I look back even 10 years ago, and I think, man, I was barely scratching the surface of it barely scratching the surface 10 years ago and now we see so much more yeah and we we really are in a race against time because uh, the the powers that be the the, the victors if you will uh, have been so successful in pigeoning us in a corner uh, to think for so for instance uh, uh, one of the uh, Sutton, uh, your former associate, was, was was somebody that I that I was turned on to quickly after uh, connecting the Hegelian dialectic and trolling opposites to uh, to to, uh, to to control the nature of the outcome, if you will. Uh, and then Charlotte Eiserbit uh, is a former guest of my group. She was one of the early guests on, on the program uh, close to four years ago. She joined the she joined the program and. And, and people that are familiar with my work know that she wrote, she worked for Reagan, she was fired uh, by Reagan because of being opposed to a program called Betterment of Education Through Science and Technology, which is a computer software, uh, and, and uh, basically. Uh, and, uh, and she wrote a book called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of Americans. Uh, I, just, I just had on the program a guy named Tom DiLorenzo that really tears apart Abe Lincoln and the Abe Lincoln administration. Uh, and and he, he, he basically is concluding uh, uh, Patrick, uh, what what you've known now for for quite a few quite a few years is is that uh, we we have allowed this federal uh, octopus uh, to grow its tentacles and uh, out of D.C. and stretch over uh, and destroy our constitution and 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 and, and far reach its bounds. Uh, we are in a we are in a a, a real issue here where uh, individual states like Texas now Abbott uh, being very stern in some of the language he has. Uh, with Biden, you know, and, and some of these states are, are going to have to continue to amp up that type of threat uh, to face this down. But for, for listeners to understand here, and, and I want you to, I want to ask a question here, Patrick, because I want, I want to get understand your connection with Sutton a little bit better. Uh, and, and what you may not know is uh, Federal Reserve, uh, Federal Reserve, no more lies uh, uh, is a is a um, 
There's a book that, that, that I've written and I've reached an agreement with Trying Day, and I'm sure you're familiar with Trying Day and, and Chris, uh, and, and Sutton had published uh, some of his works with, with Trying Day. And you talk about this as kind of goldmine that, that, uh, that, that, that he had left, uh, uh, Sutton had left with you. And so that's, that's really nice to hear, to hear. And it's nice to hear that you're continuing uh, uh, what you do. Uh, but, uh, 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 but briefly, uh, uh, IBM, International Business Models, uh, is, is essentially uh, started uh, at, uh, at Hamilton Hall in Columbia University. Uh, talk a little bit more about how you and Sutton were put together, uh, Patrick, and, uh, and then address, address some of those fundamentals of, uh, of technocracy being developed there in Columbia University in New York uh, in uh, the 1920s. Right. Well, Sutton um, had graduated, well, not graduated, he had moved from UCLA as a, a professor of history up to Stanford at the Hoover Institution. Now, that's not, Hoover Institution is not a teaching university, it's a research center. And the people that worked there were called fellows, the senior fellows, research fellows, whatever. And Sutton was one of those, and he was a master at research. Um, his colleagues affectionately called him because, I have to explain, he was tenacious about data. He would go to, uh, for instance, when he wrote his books on uh, uh, Wall Street and the rise of Hitler and, and uh, the Bolshevik revolution, he actually went to New York, went to the archives at the shipping docks and dug out decades-old manifests wow. of ships that had gone between the United States and Europe and Britain in particular to discover what the cargoes were because he was on the trail, right? So, but that was the kind of guy he was. What he's, he was like a bloodhound yeah. that had a hypersensitive nose for anything he was hunting. And so when he got going on a bat, you'd hear, you'd hear the, the baying and the barking, whatever, in the distance as he chased his prey. Well, he, he earned the nickname at Hoover as, among his colleagues, the Hoover vacuum cleaner. Mm. <laughs> So the joke was, if you want to get it, get to the bottom of something, uh, give it to the vacuum cleaner, and you'll find it. Well, Sutton discovered the Trilateral Commission. This is before I met him. And he was concerned that the Carter administration was being loaded with members of the Trilateral Commission. And he saw a lot of links to some of his writings that he'd done previous to that. And... He started a research project on the Trilateral Commission, started opening up all kinds of cans of worms, studying various organizations associated with them and researching the people and so on. He didn't really sense there was danger in the fact that the president of Stanford at the time was one of the founding members of the Trilateral Commission. Oh, wow. And that was David Packard. Oh, wow. One day... Yeah, well, they moved him from his office back into the stacks. They gave him a little room back where it was nice and hot. And uh, they froze him out. They, they uh, told him they're not going to publish his works anymore. And, he, you know, they, they kicked him out, basically, um, of Hoover Institution altogether for no good reason other than they just didn't want him to be researching. They knew where it would end if he could. Well, I accidentally ran into, well, no, no accident. There's only divine appointment here. I ran into Sutton 
in New Orleans at one of the early gold conferences that were taking place there. This was right after gold had been decoupled from the dollar. And there were some uh, budding gold conferences being held down there, especially in New Orleans. And Son and I both attended this one. He was uh, giving a lecture down there, and I was going to do a workshop or something. I forget what. But the hotel was so overcrowded, it was just amazing. And, and so we came down to breakfast, and the major D said, hey, if you want to eat, man, we're, we're doing Caribbean style here. We'll sit you where there's a chair, <laughs> wherever you might be next to it. We don't know. But if you want to eat, that's the only way you're going to eat, uh, continental style. So I, I was really hungry. I was cranky. And I don't like crowds. And I thought, oh, this is horrible. So they sat me down at a little two-person table, a very small uh, table. Um, and sitting across from me was Anthony Sutton. And at first I thought, dang, I don't, I don't even want to talk to this guy. I don't want anybody in the morning. And But we struck up a conversation. We introduced each other. And he was British, so he had a British accent. And that kind of interested me. I said, well, really, what are you doing over here? And, you know, he started telling me the story. By the time our breakfast was done, I think both of us were late for our sure. <laughs> appointments. <Yeah. laughs> but we had agreed that we were both on the trail of the same story. And I had been studying the Trail Out of Commission independently from him. He didn't know that. He'd never talked to anybody, even heard of the Trout Auto Commission. So I've talked to him about what I found. He's talking about what he found. And we realized we had such a big story between us. We had to write. We just had to write about it and warn the American people. So that's how we got together. Uh, I had a publishing company back in Scottsdale, Arizona. He lived up in Aptus, California. And uh, I did the printing and the publishing and, and wow. wrote about half the material did all the editing, and uh, we started publishing a newsletter called the Trilateral Observer, and that became the basis for our books, Trilaterals Over Washington, which actually became the de facto standard for study on, on the Trilateral Commission, and uh, the, the books actually ended up in, in a lot of classrooms, political science classrooms around the country, as textbooks. It's just interesting, but that's how we got together. Interesting. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, if we go back for listeners to understand, uh, understand a little bit about where this is kind of insecting and, 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 uh, and, 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 and we can bring it up to, we can bring it up to COVID-19 because, uh, like you say, these injections, uh, there's, 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 there's ingredients in the, there's reports that the, that the injections are altering DNA. Uh, there's a recent report out of Australia that, uh, that, that showed that, uh, there's false positives, uh, being created uh, from people that have been injected with this vaccine out of uh, the University of Queensland, and that's a far that's a far stretch. Uh, but it, it, we can probably add some things together. Uh, you know, 1971 uh, uh, gold uh, 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 gold shock by Nixon. Uh, you know, a lot of these things make sense as, as listeners start to piece these things together. But uh, but inceptually. Uh, at Hamilton Hall, uh, what was really what was really driving uh, the the uh, the creation there of uh, of this technological movement out of uh, out of Columbia? Zygmunt Brzezinski, of course, a teaching a teaching there uh, decades later. But uh, what was happening there in the nineteen twenties? Well, I, I I missed some of your words there because we're having a little bit of a bandwidth problem. But um, in the context of what's happening today with um, with the great panic of 2020 let's just to take this as as a, as a whole episode it's, it's called an event at this point this event 
was in the planning stage for some time before it actually took place. And we find two, out of this, there have been two uh, revelations, that two different items within this, the revelation of what's going on, that have emerged. One of them is full-blown technocracy, which is the social engineering of society. It's a society changer. It's what Klaus Schwab calls the Great Reset. Yeah. And that's relatively easy to understand. If anybody's read my one of my books on technocracy, you, you, you'll get that real quick. It just makes sense. And, and, of course, Klaus Schwab is closely, closely aligned with the United Nations. I mean, they're, they're like this. In fact, one of their board members um, uh, back in the 70s and 80s was uh, the guy that actually... Uh, headed up the 1992 Rio conference, uh, Rio de Janeiro, that it produced the Gen 21. So, um, seeing technocracy in this is easy, but technocracy has a Siamese twin, and that is transhumanism. And let me explain briefly what the connection is. Number one, they're both based on scientism. It's a, an evil religious philo uh, philosophy that claims that only science has the key to truth. There's no truth outside of science, even if it's pseudoscience, you know, they say there's still no truth. So they reject everything else. They reject philosophy. They reject ethics, ethics studies. They reject the Bible. They reject most other religions, too, for that matter, but especially the Bible. Because Bible people are, you know, they, they tend to be sort of exclusionary, like, hey, the truth is over here, dude. It's not with you. And they thought, no, 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 we got the truth. So you can see why they don't like each other much. But you have um, scientism as a philosophy that worships science. This was proposed by a, a philosopher, uh, a French philosopher back in the early 1800s uh, to change religion, if you will, into the words and appoint science and engineers as the priesthood of the science. So... You know, this whole thing, even though there wasn't much science compared to the day back then, they saw the handwriting. They knew where it was going. They figured it was going to progress, and it did, and here we are today. So you have you have this, this philosophy that's driving technocracy and it's driving transhumanism, and here's the connection. Tra technocracy is to society what transhumanism is to the people who live in society, okay? Sure. If you're going to create a technocracy system, you need to have the right kind of citizens living in that system or it will not work, okay? That kind of makes sense in a way. It's twisted, but it does make yeah. sense. If you took people like you and me today and threw us into a technocracy, I guarantee there's going to be trouble. And because we don't fit. Right. We flat out don't fit. We never go along with it. Uh, we throw a monkey wrench in it every chance we got. So you can't take 100, 200 million people, for instance, out of the United States, throw them in a technocracy and think that that's going to work. It won't. So transhumanism tries to create, it, it, it hopes to create humanity 2.0 through genetic engineering primarily technocracy seeks to transform society into us into a system that worships its science 
not anything else, so that you will do what science says to do. If science says you need to get a gene therapy shot, which is what's being distributed out by Moderna and the rest of them, then you will get a gene therapy shot, boom. You're not gonna have a whole lot of choice, you're gonna take it. The transhuman side of it, however, which used to be a metaphysical proposition, primarily 20, 30 years ago, the science was not there to back it up, to help it with anything. But as a metaphysical proposition, the transhumanist had a major goal, their primary goal was to achieve immortality through the engineering of the condition. That's genetic engineering. They wanted to escape death altogether. Their, their writings are very clear on this. It's not a speculation on my part. They're very clear. They want to escape death, become immortal, live forever, and they will live any way they want. They might live in a body like this we have. They might live in a computer somewhere and travel the universe. They might live in an avatar. Uh, that's created especially for them to be whatever they want. Uh, sounds a little science fiction-y. And five years ago, I would have had a hard time, in fact, I did have a hard time selling this idea to a lot of people that, that kind of wanted to know, but they, ended up, they didn't want to know so bad. But it's a hard concept to sell. However, today, we can see the hydra-headed monster of transhumanism rising up around the entire planet along with technocracy to take over the entire system and the people in it. And the reason I conclude that is that the gene therapy that's being used right now, which people, I'm not going to explain it, but people need to go and listen to a few videos, do a little searching, you'll find out what gene therapy is and what uh, what all this talk about messenger RNA is. You can find that out on your own. But let me put it this way. The head of science, I actually he just recently resigned. He's pretty rich now. The head of science at uh, Moderna, which is the original kind of stimulator of this gene therapy business, said in a TED talk two years ago that what they're doing with gene therapy is they're hacking the software of life. <laughs> hacking the software of life. They're, they're looking at your DNA as software, believing that it could be manipulated and programmed, if you will, with CRISPR technology, that's the gene editing technology, and that they can manipulate your genes more or less directly to change you into something you're not currently. And it's a small little baby step that they have right now with this vaccine, where we're not, it's not a vaccine, with gene therapy shot, shots, they're calling it a vaccine, but it's not a vaccine. Even the CDC clearly defines what a vaccine is. This shot is not a vaccine. It's gene therapy. It should be called gene therapy because it will change your genetic structure. This has been a goal of the transhuman community for decades. Wow. And they're getting it, and on a global scale. It's not just about America. This is everywhere. Every plant, every country on the planet, every citizen on the planet is targeted to receive a shot. Yeah. 
gene, gene therapy shot, guaranteed not to be the only one. The CDC and the World Health Organization are already talking about, hey, you need more than one, you may need a booster after that, and you know probably you're going to get variants, you're going to need more shots for that. And year to year, I mean, you know, once they got the hooks in us, this ain't going to stop. Right. So right. gene therapy appears to be here to stay. And the gene engineers are telling us this is perfectly safe, even though the FDA has not approved it. It's emergency use authorization that hasn't been tested on humans or animals yet at all. Yeah. And so they're throwing it in there as, oh, this is a savior of the world. And we're going we're gonna to save the world. And yet, what really happened is, the transhuman community has got their fingers or their claws into human flesh for the first time in history. Wow. And it's not just a small little group of people. It's the whole stinking planet. You can see why I get a little bit excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you're, you're living to witness this and see this. Uh, uh, Sutton uh, obviously is not. Uh, it, where is this being driven from? You're 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 talking about the uh, you know the science aspect of it. Uh, do you, is this coming? Is this coming from CERN? Is it where, where is this where is this being incepted from? Where's where's the driving? Where's this coming from? I'm sure that I know people have made a case for CERN. I've studied CERN a little bit myself, and it's a pretty creepy place. Kind of creeps me out. But originally, uh, and you had uh, Jacob Nordengard on your program, a great guy from Europe, and he's done more study on the Rockefeller family than almost anybody I know. And uh, uh, in all of the initiatives that we found relating either to technocracy or to transhumanism, invariably, you'll find the Rockefeller foundations associated with it. You'll find, like the MacArthur Foundation, you'll find sometimes the Carnegie Foundation, but, but always you'll find the Rockefeller crowd, you'll find, um, um, uh, what I want to say, if, uh, you'll find the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is it, it involved in all of these different organizations. Um, and then you find a lot of big tech companies that have their fingers into it as well, like Google and uh, even Amazon actually now and, and IBM. Um, this kind of emerging global oligarchy is not just tied to organizations like CERN, which has concern, but these are the moneyed people of the world. Sutton wrote about these incessantly all of his career, the tra his transfer of technology from the West to the East series. He had three volumes that he wrote. It. I mean, they're like this big. Scholarly books with nobody except another scholar reads, as a matter of fact. But um, he discovered the money trail between West and East and how... Wall Street bankers and investors, you know, the global companies and stuff funded most of these military conflicts on both sides, supplied both of them, got rich off of them, and suffered no consequences coming out the other side. This has been kind of the history of the world for the last 150 years. These same people are involved now. 
same organizations that uh, same names and whatever that were involved you know in this 100 years ago they're still there and they're still pushing us that's one reason i could say for certainty that the early iteration of the trilateral commission was a modern genesis of this whole thing there was only 300 members they still only have about 300 members but these were the heaviest of the heavy hitters in the world as far as getting stuff done and now you have the world economic forum where a guy like klaus schwab is leading the pack of virtually all of the global companies now getting them all lockstep with green anything uh with the great reset you know uh, the fourth industrial revolution whatever you'd like to call it uh it's a total rework of our global economic system total rework uh, it's hard to get a handle on what that means for most people what, what do you mean a rework what, what, how could it be changed well we haven't covered that yet if you want to go that direction we can but i i won't just jump into it lightly yeah i i i think that's a that's a great segue to to go into at the moment uh, but just quickly, I want to get your thoughts on um, what the abolishment of the gold standard, uh, because that's that's what kind of got a lot of things going for you in, in regards to uh, the connection that's 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 coming coming to you through through the work that I've done. Uh, how does the how does how does that that lack of a gold standard, if you will, uh, how does that uh, how did, how, did, how does that um, uh, it make this procession easier for this kind of global economic system that, that I want you to talk about. Exactly. That, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll, I'll answer it first by saying kind of a philosophical issue that I believe Rockefeller had uh, back when he started the Trilateral Commission in the first place. <clears throat> After, you know, kind of summing up all my research that I've done on them and technocracy and what's going on with sustainable development, etc., I've really come to the conclusion that Rockefeller and his crowd knew full well the end of money was on the horizon. That is, the end of currencies as we knew it. The, the financial system that existed after the, the debasement of gold was one day going to blow up and go away. And that, that would mean, of course, that money, if you, if you became a billionaire or a trillionaire, it wouldn't, wouldn't matter. If you're denominated in some type of a currency from the old system, you're guaranteed to lose everything eventually. Okay, that's just a mathematical certainty. I think Rockefeller saw that. <clears throat> the goal became with sustainable development with this new economic, uh, new international economic order. The goal became not just to deal with money, which was going the way of the wind eventually but to get their hands on the resources directly. In other words, if you own the resources, don't look what, what type of a system sits on top of it. You own the resources, you've got all the wealth. That's where all wealth comes from, is from the ground, one way or another. You drill for it, you mine it, you cut trees, you farm, you produce food, everything comes from the ground. All minerals, everything. So there was a concerted effort that started in the early 70s to sequester the resources of the world into what the United Nations calls a global commons 
where resources will be managed by them, you and I will be stripped of property rights of owning resources. They will control the resources and we will be the consumers. And they will tell us what we're allowed to consume. Now, as a strategy for Rockefeller, this makes perfect sense. His family had understood for 100 years or more that resources are the source of wealth. They developed the oil industry, for instance. They understood that. They understood how to do, how to create a monopoly. They understood how to gouge everybody in the universe if they could. Yeah. And they did a good job. They got rich, very rich, off of their exploits of resources. So this was not a foreign concept to uh, to Rockefeller. But remember, at the time, Rockefeller was of Chase Manhattan Bank, which is one of the global. It's now J.P. Morgan Chase, but you know, back then it was one of the big global banks in the world. He understood money very well. He, he didn't need anybody to come and give him a like on money. He understood it. Um, so I think that I think the the goal changed when gold was decoupled. And by the way, there's lots of evidence that Rockefeller was involved in the decoupling of gold. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we won't go into that, but <laughs> you can read Sutton's book, The War on Gold, you, you'll get it. Um, but the goal changed to continue to use money for a time for price-based economic sake, but at the end of it, when all the currencies in the world blew up or burned up, they would be left holding the title to the resources. And they could recreate the world in anything, in any image they wanted to recreate it. And we find today that that recreation is technocracy. That's the direction they're going. And that lines up with the United Nations. That lines up with Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. That lines up with everything the big banks are global banks are writing about right now as well as the IMF the World Bank you know the Bank for International Settlements they're all on the same yeah. page on this yeah yeah. this is the new system coming mm-hmm. and just maybe to give your listeners a, a somewhat of a chuckle uh, <laughs> and a good word picture you remember the James Bond series of 007 the first one was called Goldfinger. Sure. One of the first. Goldfinger had a great plot. You didn't quite discover the plot. The plot until you got to the movie a little bit. But he had a time. He had. Um, he said he was going to. He was going to break into Fort Knox, and everybody assumed he was going to steal the gold. You know, like guy's crazy. He can't steal gold out of Fort Knox. Wow. And you find out the plot. I don't want to steal the gold there. I got gold all over the world. I got gold in Europe and Switzerland and Argentina and wherever. I own about 80% of all the gold outside of Fort Knox. That's why they call them gold figures. They love gold. He says, I'm not going to uh, steal the gold out of Fort Knox. I'm simply going to plant a nuclear bomb in there, blow it up, and irradiate it so nobody will touch that gold for the next 500 years. <laughs> See, just take it out of circulation. It's gone. Well, what would happen to the remaining value of gold in the world that he held for us? Boom, it's going to go into the skyrocket, into the stratosphere, and he'll be the richest man on earth and probably control the earth because he controls all the gold. That was back in the day when 
we used to say, he who has the gold makes the rules. You know, that's not true anymore. But, <laughs> but this is a picture of what's happening today in the world when you see, um, for instance, the administration of any, of any one of our administrations, yeah. doesn't matter Republican, Democrat either. Every time you see them create these wilderness areas around the country, gobble up or they designate two or three million acres or something as being some special preserve, there's no development that could take place there anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's, the people can't own it. it privately. It's just taken off the market. Well, we're going to let the bears and the lions roam and all that kind of stuff, and but we don't want people going in there and doing anything. We're not going to license it for anything either. Maybe you could drill on it, you know, 10 years ago, but not now. And so you see the United Nations going around the world, bending, you know, countries into declaring uh, heritage zones in their countries, Mm -hmm. taking hundreds of millions of acres of arable land and very valuable mineral land off the market. They're putting it into their global common trust, if you will, Mm -hmm. where nobody can get their hands on it. And everything else is left outside of that. The value goes up. And guess who makes major investments in all that surrounding real estate? It's not you and me. No, I don't know about you. I don't. You, you might be a billionaire for all I know. But, <laughs> but it won't be you and me, right? Um, so this plot to get a hold of the resources of the world has advanced right under our noses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and people never saw it they never saw it happen partly that was on purpose because of all the political wrangling and the left right fights yeah. democrats hating republicans and republicans hating democrats and you know on down the line all the fluff nobody looked where they should have been looking. They didn't focus on where the magic trick was taking place. I, I try to paint a time period for, for listeners and, and, and really where things started taking shape in the United States as it was being puppeteered uh, is the creation of the Federal Reserve central banking system in 1913. And then you've got a few years later the advent of World War One, and then, of course, a couple of decades after that, World War II, and then all these ridiculous wars that the United States have found themselves involved in, like Vietnam, and and in the recent uh, recent decades, uh, uh, the Gulf uh, Gulf Storm, Iraq, and then uh, then Afghanistan, and I think that Afghanistan wars coming up on what twenty years or so. This is absolutely absurd. Furthermore, I like what you just said in regards to the uh, the, the political parties. Regardless of political party, we've got a national debt that continues continues to skyrocket and get out of control. Um, and so I want you to talk about the Great Reset and what you see happening, and then I want you to, to intertwine these vaccinations and then the, the transhumanism and, the, and then the DNA altering. Uh, but, uh, but, but let me ask you a question, Patrick. It, it, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a number of scholars that, that argue that, the, that both uh, World War I and World War II, it was basically the table had been set with the Federal Reserve, uh, and, 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 and you use that productivity of, 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 of the masses through the Constitution uh, that had built the United States, uh, those freedoms 
you, you got the Federal Reserve built, then you then you then you 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 roll out these two uh, world wars, and basically what that had done was shifted uh, the geopolitics and and these resources that you're talking about uh, around to create. Uh, to, cre- to, to create, again, this kind of globalist agenda that we're seeing unfold. If World War I and World War II, in that sense, were by design, let's just assume that they were by design, who is it that designed them? <laughs> well, Sutton's research uh, always led to Wall Street, to the Wall Street banking establishment. And I'm sure that there was global banks outside of Wall Street that were involved in it, too. Actually, he did document that. But he, he always brought it back to Wall Street again. That Wall Street and the, the, the global banking community there were routinely uh, the ones that benefited from, that orchestrated many of the conflicts. And, of course, they covered the trail. Nobody really ever got onto them except Sutton. Sutton wrote some totally scholarly books on this, by the way, and people pretty much ignored him. They're going to ignore him today, too, because his books are now priced individually somewhere in the used books, like in the range of $1,500 a book. Whoa. I'm not going to go buy one of those just on a lark. Oh, I think I'll read Sutton's book on technology to the, you know, to the East. But Wall Street propped up the Bolshevik Revolution, Wall Street propped up the Nazi Revolution, and many of the other conflicts along the way that we've had, they were behind that as well. And they were also the ones that profited the most from those things. It's it's a very dark, dark history that we have, or that they have. it's almost been like a, a, a parallel universe operating right alongside sure. ours, except that it isn't. It's really in ours. And, uh, you know, there, there's so much dark stuff involved in that that it's it's really tough to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, uh, and, and again, I, I want you to, as we wind down here in the last few moments, and I appreciate your time, I want to get into uh, to the Great Reset again and, 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 and intertwining that with COVID-19. Um, but I'll ask you a question. Now, I was I was in D.C. Uh, mid mid December, and uh, and I'm speaking with a, a a senator out of Texas. I lost you. All right, can you hear me? You hear me now? Uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, you tell me when I'm back. Uh, let's see. Connection lost. Uh, problem with the. Uh, all right. So we'll um. We're going to uh, we're gonna recall we're gonna call. Uh, we're going to call Patrick back. We're going to hang up. We're going to call him back. And uh, let's see here. Uh, we're going to we're going to call him back. Uh, let's bring let's bring him back on here. Let's see if this works. Connection lost. Uh, let me just get this recording. Okay. So uh, we okay, so so we're reconnected here. Um, let me let me just get your comment here. And I want uh, I want you to spend a few moments uh, as we as we wind down. I want you to. Uh, Patrick, I'd like you to discuss the Great Reset and 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 tying technocracy and transhumanism together, and what, how you view these and these vaccinations that are coming, uh, going around globally. I mean, this is uh, I, I when I started this uh, four years ago, just looking at the Zika virus, I had I had no idea that the, <laughs> that we'd be looking at this today, and I'm sure that you, you know you've been on, you've been looking at this now for decades, and and this is probably quite alarming to you. Um, but let me ask you a question. So I was in D.C. In December, and I'm sitting uh, sitting in the hotel lobby, 
and I and I talked to the senator from Texas. Uh, his name is Sessions, uh, Pete Sessions. And I says, I says, Pete, he says, look, you know, regardless of Democrat, Republican, whoever's sitting in the Oval Office, we, we continue to spiral this national debt out of control. He says, he says, he says, Ian, that's a good question. There's a lot of us up on the Hill that are really concerned about that. Uh, now we've got a 20, uh, uh, I think that, that, uh, that almost $2 trillion bill just passed. Uh, and, and so now we've got what, 28 trillion, $29 trillion federal debt. Um, and I, and I suggested to Pete, I suggested to him, I says, I says, if the Federal Reserve Central Bank is a private bank, is it possible that it's not part of the U.S. government and that that tra- federal tra- uh, debt is owed to them? What are your What are your thoughts on that? And then, and then I want you, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, and you can talk to Jim or Griffin about that. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> the case. I I don't I, I don't know you've interviewed him before. And I'm sure that's what he said exactly. Um, the The system right now appears to be uh, driven into the ground intentionally, and people are asking, well, how much work can we take before it all blows? Well, it's going to blow, I guarantee you. At some point, it's going to blow, and it's not just a question, in my mind, of the dollar going to be, you know, taking heat. Every currency in the world is going to blow at the same time. It's not, you know, it's not that one's going to be over another, but they're all going to blow, and um, I don't know that anybody in Washington really understands this aspect of it. The Rockefeller crowd and the other international bankers never intended for this monetary system to last forever. They know it has a finite end. They know they're going to come to it, and they know what they're going to do when they get to the end of it, and that's the Great Reset. That's what it's all about. And so you might have seen the video that the World Economic Forum produced about that sweet-looking young girl from Netherlands or wherever that was talking about, well, I'm so happy... I don't own anything, and my life has never been better. And she's, you know, she talks about, you know, if I need clothes, why well, I could just rent them for the evening, and then make her pay if I want a recipe that needs a cast iron skillet. I can order it up on my phone, and it comes to my door, and I can send it back dirty, and they clean it. Oh, it's wonderful. She says, I don't own anything, and I'm happy. Here's the question, and it supports my thesis. It's about resources. You're happy, and you own nothing, but you're renting everything. Pay-per-view, you know, it's pay-for-service. For yeah. Okay. Who owns all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. That they're willing to rent it to you. <laughs> yeah. This means, this means they're saying they own everything, and they will rent it back to you yeah. on an as-needed basis. Yeah. I'll tell you, this is sick. This is just looking at one angle of it. The financial system that's going to supplant what we have today, money and price-based economics, is the broad area of fintech. That's financial technology contracted. They call it fintech. The United Nations has declared that fintech is going to be the financial system of sustainable development, where... World Economic Forum is going. So we have a new financial system in fintech that would be appropriate for this new economic system. And here's the danger of this. There's no currency. Nobody has any private wealth that cannot be discovered and it doesn't live inside of somebody's computer somewhere. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, um, it's all based on blockchain. 
fintech is based on blockchain, not just currencies. They're all central banks talking about digital currencies, not just all about currency. Anything movement or value can be reduced to a blockchain transaction. Anything. You get a driver's license, that can be put in a blockchain. You buy a house, the title can be put in a blockchain. You sell something, that can be trend, you know, that can be documented in a blockchain. Uh, you own property in Timbuktu, that can be registered in a blockchain. Uh, you, you have students that are where data is being collected on them to, uh, you know, a common core education stuff where they're collecting all this data every year on students. All that can go into a blockchain as well. I won't go into the implications of that, but there's a lot of talk about blockchain right now. A lot of people are kind of chasing after Bitcoin and Ethereum and so on. And I'm not saying, I'm not dissing that necessarily, but here's the thing. FinTech with this blockchain is the new standard for the Great Reset. We're gonna see that somewhere along the way. Vaccines, the vaccine passports are already being talked about in terms of blockchain. This is pretty spooky, but this is their chosen financial system that's going to come on the other side of this great reset. And when Klaus Schwab says something like, We're, we'll build back better, this has been repeated all over the world, by the way, by leaders of the world. Oh, uh, Biden said it the other day, we're going to build back better. Mm-hmm. When you build back better, doesn't it imply that something burned down, the building burned down first? If you lost your house, for instance, to a fire, it'd be a tragedy, and you'd wait four or five months and grieve and, you know, moan and groan. But as your insurance settlement finally came, whatever, you would say to your friends, I'm sure, well, I'm optimistic now, we're going to build back better. That's what you say. Your house burned down, we're going to build back better. So Klaus Schwab is essentially saying to the rest of us out here, your house is going to burn down. Get used to it. Deal with it. It's going to burn down, and they're making sure it's going to burn down because they got the match. <laughs> they're making sure. make sure it burns down. And after it's all done burning down, the Great Reset will build back better. That's it in a nutshell. They'll have the resources. We'll have none. Blockchain will document every conceivable event in your life and mine and everybody else in the world and will be controlled totally down to a NAS whisker. This is also called scientific dictatorship, if you want to look at it that way. It's not a, it's not a pretty future. Uh, we need to throw a monkey wrench into the World Economic Forum's plan, Great Reset, mm-hmm. big time. And it's not just an American program, not about American politics. People can shake their fist all they want at the Democrats or Republicans. doesn't matter. This is not a left-right in America issue. This is a global issue at this point. That makes it altogether different. We've never had a situation like this in the history of our country. Or maybe in the history of the world. Yeah, yeah, I would say the world, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, yeah, right. And so, and so with this major challenge, there's, there's, there's a, a great perspective uh, available to 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 be made here from 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 the challenge. Uh, uh, what is it, 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 okay? So so it, it, the 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 central banking system certainly 
would would tie into this. Um, uh, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Patrick? Uh, what are your thoughts? And I want to get into a little bit of resolution and and as we wind down. And again, I, I said that <laughs> ten minutes ago, <laughs> uh, but. But what is what is uh, what what is what is what is your what are your your thoughts here? And this gets into transhumanism, perhaps. What is your thought here on on organizations like ID Twenty Twenty, funded by Gavi and uh, the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, the usual suspects, if you will, uh, for listeners, uh, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and then also the quantum dot tattoos, which are which tie into these uh, the, the 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 vaccination records uh, being uh, invisibly uh, tattooed or inserted into. Uh, into skin. What are, your, what are your comments on that? And then, uh, and then, and then, and then, give listeners, give us, give us some views on on what we can do. I, I urge, I urge listeners to contact their politicians, contact the governors, senators, uh, to contact Joe Biden, contact uh, what, what, what was it, Donald, you know, Donald Trump. Uh, contact these people, contact fellow Americans, but but more importantly, the politicians, people in the military. Um, uh, not, 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 not suggesting that, uh, that there's any type of conflict that should be uh, developed out of this, but, uh, but contact, again, contact legislation, contact people that can make changes in laws. Uh, that's what I urge. What are, what do you say on that? But, but, but again, uh, some comments here on, uh, on, on ID 2020 and, uh, quantum tattoos. It's all based on blockchain okay. for one. Yeah. It's all about tracking. It's all about surveillance. It's all mm-hmm. about building a history on you, a history on you. There's two parts of surveillance, by the way. There's obviously the moving part where you're walking along the street, somebody's taking pictures of you, they recognize your face, and so on. People usually think, well, that's surveillance. They think of a license plate reader, so you know, snaps your license plate. That's surveillance, but you're moving. It doesn't do it continuously. Mm-hmm. The greater part of surveillance is building a portfolio on your history. Okay, going back in time, collecting all of your financial records, all of your social media records or posts and stuff, and all of your real estate transactions and uh, everything about the organizations you belong to and the friends that you have, and et cetera, it's the education that you have, all this stuff. Building a portfolio on you is, is the major part of surveillance. The rest of it is almost not an afterthought, but it will continue the process of collecting more information into the future which will all be stamped back into your portfolio. So you will be known to the establishment or the man, if you want, what we used to call him years ago, right? (laughs) You will be be known better than you know yourself. Right. And in some ways, they will make conclusions about you that have no basis in reality whatsoever. It's just their best guess using AI programs about who, what, and how, and when, you know, stuff you do, what your mind is to do, and you'll never be able to... That's what all this tracking right now is. That's what all this ID stuff, the, the passes, the common pass, the, the new passports, all that kind of stuff to get on airplanes, um, iris scans taking place in Dubai right now on the international airport. All this stuff is just pure, unadulterated technocracy from the 1930s. Pure. Wow. Tracking everything. Building portfolios on everyone. That means once they have the portfolio on you, enough to manage you, you are the target for being managed. And they intend for you to do what they what they tell you to do. There will be a few rebel, rebels and outliers, I think, that uh, won't go along with it, but a lot of people will. 
They will go along with it. Now, as far as what to do right now, I'm very pessimistic about Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been for some time, but today I am really pessimistic about Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Nothing good really has come out of Congress for probably 40 years, if even that. And I can look to many state governments and make the same statement. But what has been unguarded and unsung by most groups and most people is the power that people have in their own local communities, their city councils, their county commissioners, the school boards, the water boards, all kinds of boards in any any given location where people can get in and get a seat at the table and make a difference. But for some reason, people have been so involved with national politics for all these years that the enemy has been able to come in directly to our counties and cities and sow these seeds of destruction directly into our soil. And now we're suffering the consequences. Just the other day in Mesa, Arizona, just anecdotal story, Republican mayor, majority Republican uh, of city council members. They passed a resolution, a city resolution, which means a binding resolution, put a $2,500 fine for violating it, and basically they restated the HR5 language that was just recently passed by Congress, that is the House anyway, probably will pass the Senate too, that specified that all of the LGBTQ language be retrofitted into the Civil Rights Act of 1964, elevating all of the federal agencies. And of the LGBTQ community into all the civil rights debates that happened back in 1964. That was a different time, a different era. I was there. It was not about any of that back then, but it is now. So our city council took upon the place took it upon himself to pass this resolution in Mesa, Arizona, where all of the public comments were negative. Everybody that went forward to speak said, don't do this. Just stand, run the city for crying out loud. It's got nothing to do with running the city. You're going to hurt our businesses. You're going to hurt our churches. Just get out. Don't do that. They overrode it, and they voted on it anyway, and they passed it anyway. And now we have a big, uh, you know, a petition going around to get signatures to put it on the ballot so the people can vote on it and take the power away from the city council. But here's my point. City councils have been unwatched and uninvolved with the people for decades. They need to get in and get a seat at the table and put a stop to this kind of nonsense before it gets enacted. Every one of the leaders up line, every state leader, every national leader, every congressman started somewhere Mm -hmm. in their own local community. And then they rose up, Mm -hmm. mostly by the Peter Principle. (laughs) They they rose to the level of incompetence. But they rose up from the local level. The leaders of tomorrow are right here, right in our own communities. I believe this is where we need to start to clean up America and create a firewall, if you will, to use a computer term, create a firewall around your local community so that not only do these ideas die, Mm -hmm. but they can't get in anymore from the outside. 
Wow. That's why it started yeah. three years ago. That's why, or four years ago now, that's why I started Citizens for Free Speech, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the people of America. And, uh, you know, we're fighting for the First Amendment for free speech and against censorship, that sort of right. thing, that right. are trying to kill the First Amendment right now. It's the fight of our life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I recently uh, teamed up and, and worked extensively with uh, Google whistleblower. Uh, his name is Voorhees, and uh, yeah. he had exposed yeah. um, uh, the ch- machine learning fairness, a manipulation of censoring basically uh, uh, conservative uh, viewpoints. I try to stay neutral, uh, uh, but, uh, but, but, th- but that's exactly right. I, I've, uh, 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 Ted Cruz is trying to work with the, it was I, I, before the the Capitol fiasco, uh, the 6th of January, was trying to get uh, things done with Section 230. Um, that's very well said, Patrick, and, um, and, 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 and I'll echo that for listeners because that's exactly where I began doing this program that, that is now uh, uh, on the four years. And as, as you've, as you've uh, seen, uh, G. Edward Griffin has joined, uh, has joined me in the past. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and I was in a city hall meeting in, uh, in Miami Beach, and I, I, I couldn't believe uh, there were 300 irate citizens saying opposed to this pesticide being sprayed, and yet the the CDC was was puppeteering uh, uh, through Rick Scott was puppeteering uh, uh, the the local mayor here in Miami Beach, uh, Philip Levine. Then in 2016, I just I, just, I couldn't believe it. It wasn't there was a yeah. You know, there's so many people that that say that the democracy is alive and well. Democracy is not alive and well in, the, in this country. Absolutely not. There's, there's no way about it. There's, it's not alive and well. Um, so, so, so some, some closing thoughts and comments, if you would, for, um, for, for listeners, uh, I think, I think that, uh, many Americans now are questioning whether they should be vaccinated, whether they should not be vaccinated. Uh, I personally, uh, urge folks not to be vaccinated. What, what are your comments and, uh, and, 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 and some generalization, closing thoughts and, uh, for listeners and, uh, and what they can, what can, what they can expect, what work they can expect from you in the, in the future, Patrick. I, I certainly would invite everybody to come to citizensforfreespeech.org and join with us, stand on the line with us for free speech and the First Amendment. There's no charge to join. Free speech is free. We, we believe that. Um, but as far as the vaccine is concerned, I want to make this very clear. This is a free speech issue here, big time, and we're on this at Citizens for Free Speech. Um, every person is entitled mm. to an to informed consent in order to take the vaccine. The problem is or injection. the informed part has been censored away from all the search engines, all social media has been hidden from people. And in most cases, the, in all cases, the law says when you take a, any kind of a drug, any kind of injection, that supposed to give you the insert to that, that shot, the gene therapy, shot they're supposed to give you the insert so you can read it at least that much they're not doing that even so there's no consent going on here there is no informed consent because of censorship of anything that would come in critical of the vaccine of the no, i shouldn't say vaccine of the gene therapy and there have been plenty of scientists and doctors and mds and professors who have said, hold up here, hold up. We need to look at this differently and look at this more before we start doing this. 
big pharma, government, technocrats are just driving this agenda home straight into your arm before you even have a chance to have informed consent. Every state in our union has informed consent laws on the books, and you can anybody can go on their own state website and find it. Furthermore, it's established in international law as well. Every country has the same type of laws on the books. Even going back to the Nuremberg trials that produced the famous Nuremberg Code talks about very forcefully informed consent is your right if you are going to be, especially if you're going to be given any type of experimental drug, you need to know the risks. And people are not being told the risks right now for this series of shots that's being passed around. And ironically, by the way, China is making an old-fashioned vaccine where they're actually giving the vaccine, you know, with the COVID in it, which is how they used to make them, say, five years ago. China is not using messenger RNA gene therapy vaccines. They're doing it the old-fashioned way. I find that just kind of humorous in a sick sort of way. But um, in America and in most of Europe, in Israel, for sure, they developed a lot of this stuff. This, this, this grabbing a hold of the genetic or the genome of humans is the most dangerous, risky thing that has ever, ever taken place in medical science in the world, ever. And it's serious, dead serious stuff. Wow. Uh, that's, I almost leave you speechless. Uh, Patrick, what can um, listeners expect from you in the future? I know you've, you run that wonderful website, Technocracy News. You've got uh, you get the First Amendment battle going there. Um, what, uh, what, what, what are you working on right now that's, uh, apart from a- anything that you haven't mentioned here, what, what can, uh, what can uh, uh, listeners expect from you in the future? Well, I continue to do research on the Great Reset and on everything technocracy, and that's why I do the, the website, technocracy.news. Um, I have no plans to do anything different in the future except this right now. So... Uh, this is the most important story of the century, and uh, you know a lot of people are starting to grasp it now. What's going on? More writers are writing about it. More people are researching it. Um, I'm going to keep pushing this and pushing that stimulus to get people involved. Uh, to, 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 to not only to spread the word—that's that's kind of a trite statement—but to dig deeper and do additional research. I mean, I could use—I uh, would like to see a thousand of, of me or a Suttons out there. Yeah. Digging in. Okay, I, I, repeat that last comment because we, we got a glitch there. Uh, digging in. I, I would like to see, a, you know, a thousand researchers like Anthony Sutton digging into this whole issue we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think it would blow the lid off the whole thing. Yeah, awesome. Let's do it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Wood, Technocracy.news. Uh, Patrick, been a pleasure. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining Discussion the Truth. You bet, Ian. Take care. Uh, this uh, recording will be available, uh, folks, on um, iTunes, uh, anchor.fm. Uh, and, uh, and again, I, I, I urge you to please, 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 
Go to my tab, iantrache.com, click under the research tab, and there you're going to find all of, um, I, I've got maybe the, the publication that Sutton and, and, and Wood did together, uh, and, uh, and that's, um, uh, that's, look, you've got to <coughs> wrap your, <coughs> wrap your head around, uh, a bigger picture here. Uh, and, and that's why Technocracy News and Patrick Wood, that's why these tie in so well, because he's meshing what's happening in the technological, techno, technological evolution uh, and development. And, and really, there's, there's a whole, not a whole lot being developed here. Like he said, this is 1930s technology. This is 1930s theology and philosophy and economics. This, is, this has been around for a while. It's just a matter of developing and getting the stage set to uh, insert and control, really. Um, I ill-advise you to take the vaccine. Um, if you're faced with uh, being put into a camp, an encampment, or a jail cell, then perhaps reconsider that. But uh, as long as you have the uh, that informed consent law that you can source as an argument, and as uh, Patrick said, that's uh, per the Nuremberg trials. Uh, that's an international law. Uh, you have the right to be vaccinated or not. I would suggest that you not be vaccinated. Uh, that's my suggestion. Uh, 98% uh, survival rate, flu-like symptoms. I think you can take a, a week of, well, I can, a week of uh, coughing and sneezing and uh, feeling horrible in bed uh, versus uh, some of these ill effects of uh, the genome therapy, as Patrick mentions, and, and certainly uh, DNA altering uh, that, that can have uh, on your the rest of your time in this reality on, on this planet. Uh, folks, another edition of uh, uh, Discuss Your Truth. Uh, this, has, uh, this has been my pleasure, as always is, and, uh, and feel free to pass this message on. I, I urge you to do so. Uh, contribute to the program. And um, until, uh, until next week, folks, uh, uh, to deliver another exceptional discussion of truth, uh, be awesome.